lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our new YouTube channel as well at youtube.com slash Steve Dace. And don't forget, the big day will soon be here. Well, it's a big day for me, frankly. And that's December the 15th when my new book, the novella sequel to A Nefarious Plot, A Nefarious Carol, releases nationwide. You can pre-order right now over on Amazon.com so that you make sure that is a gift for you and or a loved one for Christmas and a gift for my children to make sure they get to have one of those at Christmas. All right, so please do your part. I already did mine. I wrote another rather mediocre offering, and now your part here is to purchase it Thank you to all of you that have done the pre-orders already. You can learn more about the plot and more if you search for a nefarious carol over at Amazon.com. We have a lot going on here today. I I don't know how many of you saw this story. Cancel culture rearing its ugly head. Michael Levitt is a Nobel, Nobel Prize winner. He was disinvited from a conference in a field that he basically founded, a scientific field that he largely founded. And he was disinvited because he's actually been following real-time COVID data. And that's another reminder. You cannot accommodate this leftist cult. You can't share a country or a culture with it because it won't share one with you. It's the Mozilla story, right? Hey, the guy founded our internet company, but he's for marriage, so we got to run him out of the company he founded. Michael Levitt We gave him a Nobel Prize for pioneering in this scientific field. But hey, he's off the reservation. He actually is thinking for himself. So he needs to be canceled. When the opportunity presents itself for you and I to do business with people who uh, affirm our values and support them, take full advantage of it. And and one of those rare opportunities is with Patriot Mobile. They're the only uh, conservative, patriotic cell phone, cell phone carrier out there. And unlike Big Mobile, they don't send your hard-earned money to baby killers or people trying to destroy the Constitution. And you'll get the same reliable nationwide service and support. Instead, a company that loves your country and shares your values and supports our Constitution. Switching is easy. You can keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or buy a new one. And right now, when you join their family of freedom-loving Americans, get a free activation plus a free gift with the offer code Steve when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or use the offer code Steve at 972-PATRIOT. Just call them directly at 972-PATRIOT. All right, coming up next hour, we normally do a Monday town hall. I decided this week with the election two weeks out, I'm going to do a TED Talk instead. And I want to walk you through some interesting data that's I've, I've talked about but not quantified for you yet on this election. And then I want, to, I want to share with you a conversation I had with a good friend of mine yesterday. A big name in our business, a name you would know, does not work here at The Blaze. So I'll go ahead and... Uh, everybody, every one of my peers, you're off the hook. It's not you, okay? But uh, it was a private conversation he and I had about this election 
And he was really trying to pin me down. He's like, hey, I see all this stuff you're posting with skepticism, and I've even shared it with my own network. But what do you think is going to happen? You don't. You rarely talk about that. What do you think is going to happen? And we went back and forth in our conversation yesterday as he tried to pin me down for an answer to that question. I'm going to share with you next hour the answer that I gave him. And then we are going to discuss it here on the show. All right. The bottom of the hour, our good friend Bob Vanderplatz and the family leader will join us. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Joe Biden answering the tough questions. Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden, what flavor did you get? Yeah, one one Bo Erickson of CBS News actually did ask Joe Biden about the New York Post exposés on his son's international business dealings and alleged corruption. Mr. Biden, what is your response to the New York Post story about your son, sir? I know you'd ask it. I have no response. It's another smear campaign. In case you couldn't hear that, Biden says to the reporter, quote, I know you'd ask that. I have no response. It's another smear campaign right up your alley. These are the questions you always ask. The Biden campaign has called a lid on campaign appearances until after Thursday night's debate in Nashville, Tennessee. Director of National Intelligence John Ratcliffe went on Fox Business this morning to dispel claims that emails purportedly belonging to Hunter Biden are part of a disinformation plot by the Russians. Some of the people that complain the most about uh, intelligence being politicized are the ones politicizing intelligence. And unfortunately, in this case, uh, it is Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Committee, who, uh, as you pointed out on Friday, said that the intelligence community believes that Hunter Biden's laptop and the emails on it are, are part of some Russian disinformation campaign. Let me be clear, the intelligence community doesn't believe that uh, because there's no intelligence that supports that. Moving on, another super spreader event. Thousands of feminists took to the streets of Washington, D.C. to protest the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court and to support Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. When they came across a group of ACB supporters, including one pregnant woman, things got... Demonic. I would want to kill myself if I was that baby. I'm saying if I was that child, I'd probably want to kill myself, yeah. Checking in on Boston, Massachusetts, where a <clears throat> protest broke out. At one point, anti-Trump protesters burned an American flag and then ate a bloodied heart. <laughs> In Phoenix, Arizona, Antifa and Black Lives Matter rioters shut down traffic and threw incendiary devices at police. 18 people were arrested, including Brittany Austin, a 35-year-old Antifa militant who describes himself as a male-to-female Muslim transsexual. White House coronavirus advisor Dr. Scott Atlas had his Twitter account locked over the weekend after he tweeted data indicating face masks do not work to slow the spread of the virus. Meanwhile, Dr. Fauci... Masks really do work in preventing infection. Speaking of Dr. Fauci, the World Health Organization has released the findings of a study that's concluded the COVID-19 drug remdesivir does not help patients who have been admitted to the hospital. The study included over 11,000 patients. Dr. Fauci had previously called remdesivir the, quote, standard of care for treating coronavirus patients. 
Stanford professor of biophysics and Nobel Prize winner Michael Levitt announced over the weekend he's been disinvited from giving a keynote address at a conference on computational biophysics, an area of academics he basically invented because of, quote, too many calls by other speakers threatening to quit if you were there. They all complained about your COVID claims. Levitt has been on the forefront of academic criticism of COVID public policy like lockdowns and school closures. UC Berkeley professor Robert Reich tweets, When this nightmare is over, we need a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It would erase Trump's lies, comfort those who have been harmed by his hatefulness, and name every official politician, executive, and media mogul whose greed and cowardice enabled this catastrophe, end quote. Checking in on mail-in voting, this time in Louisville, Kentucky. More than 100 Jefferson County absentee ballots were found in the trash. They were found bins full of ballots in a dumpster that was at a house under construction. The contractor at the house found those crates full of undelivered ballots. The USPS Office of the Inspector General later confirmed there were 112 in the garbage intended for delivery in the 40299 zip code area. TPUSA's Charlie Kirk had his Twitter account suspended for reposting a story out of Pennsylvania regarding the rejection of 372,000 mail-in ballots. The story had actually been circulated on numerous mainstream outlets. The Blaze had its account locked for a similar reason. Twitter also locked the account of White House spokeswoman Kaylee McEnany for posting about the Hunter Biden corruption scandal. And finally, Donald Trump goes to church. For those of you listening, what we're watching is Donald Trump sitting in the front row of a Las Vegas, Nevada church during offering time when he whips out a wad of $20 bills and starts counting them to put them in the offering plate. And that's what happened while we were away. I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with all of that. Um, you know what? I need a minute. So let's, let's do this instead. Hey, have you noticed your hair isn't looking as full as it used to or your mind or your soul? Well, keeps can't do anything about that, but, uh, they can do something about your hair, uh, because you've got a couple of options. You can go to your doctor, uh, get a prescription, then try not to go bald while you uh, try not to go broke or not to go broke while you go bald, whichever order you prefer, or you can get the same doctor recommended FDA approved hair loss treatment, but the generic versions for half the cost over at keeps. And one more thing you can love about keeps is the convenience. It's all done from the comfort of your own home. Um, you simply go online, answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. That's shipped directly to your door. So save money, Make it convenient. How about save even more money? Half off your first order right now when you go to keeps.com slash grow. K-E-E-P-S. For keeps.com slash grow. Half off your first order at keeps.com slash grow. Tomorrow on the show, uh, Dr. Scott Atlas will be joining us. Um, He has not been on the show, what, May? I think it was May 7th was the last time he was on this show. So we're going on well over five months now. Yeah. And and not since he was uh, added to the White House Coronavirus Task Force. And um, he will be joining us on the show tomorrow. We have questions we want to ask him. And so we're going to preview our interview with Scott Atlas tomorrow in our overtime today. If you want to get that preview, go to blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. 
Uh, that's D-E-A-C-E. That's where the overtime will be posted later today after we record it following today's show. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, go to blazetv.com slash days to watch it. If you're not yet a Blaze TV uh, subscriber, you can go to that website as well. Sign up today and get a discounted subscription for Blaze TV so you don't miss anything we do year round. All right. Um, right before we went on the air, I got a, a note from a little birdie who told me that on the campaign call this morning, the president himself was on and went off on Anthony Fauci and said, hey, I should have fired him. I kept him around, though, because he's a nice guy. He's just been wrong about everything. And then Trump went on, the president went on to list 15 specific things on the campaign call that Fauci was wrong about probably presuming that somebody was going to leak it either to friendly, friendlier, I guess I would say, media like us or enemy media on the other side, <laughs> all right? Um, there's a Washington Post story from over the weekend. Remember when the New York Times tried to bury Debbie Burks to quack a few months ago, sure. right? Um, and now uh, they're trying to resurrect her over there in, in left America media. And so you can tell it's basically she and her people are the source for a, a Scott Atlas grievance session in the Washington Post. What's fascinating about that story, though, is it says that they went to Pence to try to have their concerns uh, about Atlas addressed. Mike Pence is going to run for president. There's no doubt about that. I can tell you that for a fact in 2024. He has to be held into account for that White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing. And thankfully, given where the process begins, I know of one individual who damn sure will make sure that it happens. And you're looking at him and listening to him right now. Some questions that should have been asked a long time ago are going to get asked when this caucus cycle starts here in about 15 minutes, I would guess, depending on what happens on November the 3rd. What, what, is, what is Scott Atlas's crime? Why, why was he banned, locked out of Twitter? Because he cited the real-time data on masks. They don't work. Now, when I say I don't, they don't work, again... I'm talking about as a mass public policy mitigation strategy. They don't work. I'm not saying there should never be an occasion if you're around somebody elderly, particularly with cold and flu season. It's snowing outside in Iowa today, right now, as we speak, like it's January 19th, not October 19th. I'm not saying there's never an occasion to do something on an individual basis. But in terms of mask or mass public policy, they don't work. He cited all the real-time data that shows they don't. Masking millions of people, hundreds of thousands of people, does nothing to prevent the spread. And did you hear in that clip that Aaron cited Anthony Fauci moving the goalposts again? Well, now it's about infections. So when we want to shut the country down, it's not about infections, it's about cases. Um, but then when we want to put a burqa on your face, it's not about cases, but infections. We just come up with whatever talking point we want. I'd give a testicle. Maybe both. If I, wh wh when do we have, how much time do we have with Scott Atlas tomorrow? Right now yeah. on the schedule? 20 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I'd give both testicles right now. Right now. Right now. 
right this minute, I'd make that trade, both of them, to get Anthony Fauci alone on camera for 20 minutes, one-on-one. Because frankly, the joy that I would get out of that, sex is great, been there, kind of done that at my age. The joy I would get out of that, I can't think of an orgasm that would do more for me than what that experience would do. And the amount of lies these people tell, how easy they lie. I disagree with the president again. He's not wrong. Anthony Fauci is a malevolent force. A malevolent force. When you're just wrong and clumsily trying to soak up as much media spotlight as you can, there's at least some sheepishness there. There's at least some self-awareness there. You're not as polished and as slick as this. When you speak in parcel tongue, you are. When you speak with a forked tongue, you are. When you're from as below, you are. Anthony Fauci is a malevolent force. He's not wrong. He's not a nice guy. He's a fiend. I am as confident of that as anything I've encountered in my entire career. And I've bugged a lot of trends. I went up against the entire conservative media industrial complex on Mitt Romney, not once but twice. I was right. Bucked everybody on COVID turned out to be right. That whatever's propelling that guy is from the other place. Has he spoken up yet about the uh, feminist super spreader event yesterday? Has he spoken up yet? Uh, what super spreader event? Yeah, exactly. But hey, cancel Thanksgiving. If any of you, any of you watching, any of you were listening to my voice right now, if you cancel Thanksgiving, I'm not saying, hey, you got somebody sick, fine. If you cancel your Thanksgiving plans because of COVID, don't ever watch or listen to me ever again. You don't deserve this program. You deserve Fauci your Lord, kneel before Zod. Why, why, are, is, why is the Blaze and Charlie Kirk getting locked out of their Twitter accounts for posting a Philadelphia Inquirer story? Because it's a civil war. I can't think of another reason. I mean, why, why was I getting fact-checked by Facebook's science uh, fact checkers for posting a New York Times story. Did, did they fact check the New York Times? It's their story. I didn't. Do you think? Do I have the capability of? I didn't. I didn't know what a viral cycle threshold in a PCR test was until I read about it in the New York Times. I didn't know what it was. I've done as much research on this as anybody in media has. I've done, I didn't know what it was. I found out from the New York Times, but I got fact checked because of what they did. Over the weekend, Facebook fact checked me for something I never even said. We talked about that on Friday. And now over the weekend, people getting locked out of their accounts on Twitter for posting a story from not from was it from Believe. Gateway Pundit? Uh, no. No, it wasn't from it wasn't from was it from the conservative treehouse? No. No? 
from the Philadelphia Inquirer. That's what my understanding is, yeah. Yeah, and by the way, I went and Googled the story when you told me that. Sure enough, it is right there in the Philadelphia Inquirer. I just read it myself five minutes ago. And then there's what happened to Michael Levitt. Do you even know what computational biology is? I, I don't know. I don't have a clue. You do know what George Orwell and Animal Farm is, though. I do. Or 1984. Yeah, you bet I do. Apparently, I know more about biology than a lot of people that are actually practicing it, at least in the media these days, because I went and actually read all the stuff that they said prior to COVID, and they just completely just disregarded it. And we came up with an entire new set of biological premises and laws. And, and here, by the way, you want to know, let me tell you what number the number one rule is. Whatever advances our political narrative is scientific fact, number one. Number two, whatever comes from big pharma is good. Whatever we've actually known about the human body and, bio, and, and human biology and science prior to about 2009 is suddenly now flat earth. So you don't need to take vitamin C or D. You need to take this resem. What, what the hell is this thing called? I can't remember. Remdesivir. Okay, Can we, we'll call it fraudulent. Because you know it's bad when the World Health Organization that's in the friggin' back pocket of big pharma, when they're the ones coming out and saying, "This is not. This doesn't work." That's bad. World Health Organization, not necessarily the or not out there promoting a lot of homeopathic traditional therapies are they no they're a branch of big pharma guys so when they're coming out and saying yeah this gilead thing that uh boy who is promoting that by the way who is promoting that product oh yeah anthony fauci when they're the ones coming out saying hey this product is a fraud and doesn't work and they covered their bases because they made sure to trash hydroxychloroquine in the same study when mm-hmm. I read it, right? Yep. All right, so they made sure they they made sure to at least get some big pharma points by trashing hydroxychloroquine. Now I wonder though, when when how many how many hundreds of thousands of of, of uh, HCQ pills did we send to Brazil? Was it was in the hundreds of thousands, as I recall, right? Yes. Yeah, did did the WHO like send people to the border of Brazil, stopping that drug from getting imported if it's so dangerous? So in this same study, it does say hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. Okay, so they had do they had to, they had to offer some alm. You cannot say Asherah's ugly without giving Bale some accommodation. So they split the baby in half. HCQ is dangerous, and this resonance over here doesn't. Uh, it actually doesn't work. We're going to Homer, give, Homer Simpson gift ourselves back into the bushes. I don't, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore how to do this job. For the first time since I first started doing it, I'm kind of winging it, frankly. The patterns and formulas and precedents and things that I had in place, start my day with this, work through this process. None of it's relevant anymore. 
None of it is. It's never been harder to do that thing that's over my shoulder right now. That whole truth be told thing, it's, it's never been harder to do it than it is right now. I, I'm, I know this is stream of consciousness right now. I'm just kind of reacting to a lot of these things. If you're a pastor and you still haven't opened your church after the, of course, essentially, we had to have, it, had to, it was essential to have the women's march. We had to have the feminist march. We had to. If you're still going to a church that isn't open, that's a you problem, man. I just, that's pathetic. I'd say that to any friend of mine, family member. If you haven't opened your church, you suck at this or you're a coward. And I don't really care which one it is. I don't care. It's just true. I I mean, I just... What I saw go down over this weekend... There's no other way to describe it other than civil war. I just hate that. Who wants to live during a period of time like that? I've got three teenagers. You know, if they were little, you'd shelter them from it largely. Tell them stories about it when they're older after it's over. But they're teenagers. They're going to have to carry the baggage. Sorry, kids. We blew it. So, clean up the mess the last three generations made. There is no place... for people like us in these people's minds. You don't, you and I don't have a place like in society with these folks. And they're going to win Barring revival, they're going to win. Because they're fine with this thing descending into chaos and deconstruction because they hate the country. They're totally fine with it. They're totally fine wrecking the whole thing and, and having us shoot at each other. They don't care. They don't care about collateral damage. The more damage, the better. So barring revival, they're going to win. And it's not going to be because they had the guns. It's not going to be because they were the majority. It's just going to be because 
everybody else on whatever you're at on the ideological spectrum just decided to not stand up to them or empower them. I don't think most people are going to vote for Joe Biden on November 3rd, 15 days from now, think like this. But hey, you're willing to empower it by doing so. Because that's what you'll be doing. And then on the other side, there's too many people that have just done the rote vote GOP and that saves America every two, four, and six years. And then not said a word at their school board, not said a word at their state legislature, not said a word at their place of work when the next layer of scam, race theory, sensitivity training is shoved down their throats. There's only so many times you can be the, uh, the silent Bush vote, the silent Trump vote. There's only so many times you can do that before you don't have a country left. They've just taken control of everything. And now we're going to let him is it, you know Trump's president now, right? Isn't his aren't his people running the FCC right now? Currently, yes. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if they're not going to do anything about what we're seeing with this level of censorship two weeks before an election, with their livelihoods depending on it. Why would I suddenly jump to the conclusion they're going to do something about it next year with a second term? You're right to have questions. I have a lot of questions, and most of them don't have good answers. So what does COVID-19 have to do with potentially losing your home? Well, it turns out, sadly, that it could be a lot because cybercrime, according to the feds, has shot up 75% this year with us doing and living and being online more than ever before. And it gets even worse because online also is where a lot of our home titles are kept these days. And that has created a new crime called home title theft because cyber criminals, they find the title to your home online, forge your signature on a quit claim deed, and then refile as the new owner of of your home and then they start taking out loans against your home liquidating your equity often you don't find out about it until late notices maybe even eviction or foreclosure notices start to show up as well thankfully home title lock will protect your home's title they put a virtual barrier around it for pennies a day so that the minute they detect any tampering whatsoever they will mobilize to shut it down but first things first if you want to find out if your home's already been targeted and you don't even know it go to hometitlelock.com and register your address there to see if you've already been a victim at HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, if you want 30 free days of protection, 30 free days of protection, use the code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. The code is RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz is here with us from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Doing really well. Snowing outside as we speak. So it's a little bit early for that, but otherwise doing really well. It is. It You know what? It feels like it's kind of getting late early for a lot of things uh, going on right now. I want to get I want to get your take on several items that have just happened over the weekend. OK, I'm told this morning 
uh, by a, a little birdie who was on the call. I'm told that this morning on the campaign call, the president himself made an appearance and went on a rant about Anthony Fauci, how he should have fired him a long time ago. Um, but he kind of can't do it now because it would be a too big of a story before the election. Um, kept him around because he thought he was a nice guy and then proceeded to list, I'm told, 15 things that Fauci told him directly that all turned out to be wrong. And I think the president does something like that because he knows this is going to get leaked or wants it to. And so this is uh, a way for him to document his lament so it doesn't just seem like it's another, you know, random Trump Twitter tirade, etc. I have been saying all along that if Trump loses on November the 3rd, see, you know how I roll. I'm just not into victimology. Mm-hmm. I'm aware that the world is unfair. It's been unfair since Genesis chapter three. I'm aware of this. You know, I, I'm aware of the role of Trump loses that the media character assassination would play in that event. I can't do anything about that. I'm already doing everything about that I can do. I work for one of the largest alternative media platforms on the continent. I can't do anything more to fight back against that than, than that. All right. So therefore, I think we need to focus more about what the people who represent us taking responsibility for the mistakes and learning the lessons given the unfairness that we're up against. And I have believed all along that if he loses, it's going to be the decision to hand his presidency over to Fauci and Burks for all those months. It allowed Biden, you know, everybody's making a big deal that Biden now is putting a lid on his campaign until Thursday. He's not coming Mm -hmm. back out again until the debate. I don't know why they wouldn't continue the weekend at Bernie's campaign. With all these lockdowns, he was allowed to be a living sarcophagus for five damn months. I don't know why they are doing another debate, frankly. I don't even know why they'd even come out again. I I wouldn't. If I was in the Biden, we wouldn't do any more debates, no more appearances, never on TV, nothing ever again. Just outspend Trump three to one on TV. That's all we do. And I've got the media all adding another three to one expenditure. In-kind contribution, maybe even more. You're right. I don't even know why they're risking putting Weekend at Bernie's, rolling him out anyway. All right. But he was permitted this all spring, all summer, did not have to do any of the grind of a normal campaign. And so that that will be. All those other things about what was done to Trump, the fake collusions, hoaxes, all that is true. But then ultimately, you can't do anything, especially if you're not going to have your own Department of Justice lock people up. Mm-hmm. Your own FCC. What are they doing today? It's it's past noon Eastern time. White House spokeswoman's getting locked out of her play out of her account. Everything else. What are they doing over there at the FCC offices? Who appointed the FCC director? Who did that? Well, they're underneath the president. Yeah. So again. What were the things that you did or did not do that you can control? Bob, what are your thoughts? There's a lot in there. Uh, first of all, when it comes to COVID, I think when you have Ben Sias of Nebraska, who gets, I don't know if it's leaked or it was on purpose, but having a campaign event with 17,000 people listening into a conference call. And of course, there's a lot of things that was said, but I thought the key thing that he said, which is probably one that's going to stick is the president careened from curb to curb on coronavirus. First of all, it was a nothing. Then we're locking down the country. Then we're back and forth. And so for the president to be saying on this campaign call, and hopefully it gets leaked to the press that, listen, this Fauci gave me bad. He was all over the place, you know, which made me go all over the place. I think he's looking for for the fall guy there saying it wasn't me. And I think it plays into what, you know, the SAS did. But I think um, the other thing, Steve, you and I talked about before, 
cities are burning up. There's rioting. There's all this looting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're the law and order president, be the law and order president. This is under your watch. If there's people getting shut out of Twitter, out of Facebook, out of whatever else, you got the FCC. Why not go after these people? So those are the things that I think he should be doing. I think you're right when it comes to um, Joe Biden. He does not want to come out. I think he'll come out for Thursday night's debate. I think it's about the last time you're going to see Joe. I think he's going to try to ride this one you know, off into the sunset and believe he's going to have this Electoral College victory. That CNN, again, is predicting that he is going to have just like they did with Hillary Clinton. If you were, if, if you had an audience with the president and, and he said, Bob, for the next two weeks of this campaign, you name me one thing I can do and I'll take your advice, point blank, face value, and I'll do it. What would it be? That's a great question. I think one is um, come off presidential. You mean Thursday night? Thir- well, Thursday night, but even even moving forward. And I think it's okay to even to show a bit of humility. Listen, guys, uh, we faced a global pandemic. Nobody saw it coming. We haven't had to deal with this before. Uh, we may have been woefully unprepared by previous administrations, whatever it was, but we did the best we can. Yeah, we made some mistakes. And, and if it was the case again, I probably would have got rid of Fauci. I, probably, I mean, let them know that there's some things I've learned in this process. But let me tell you what's occurring right now. The economy is rebounding. The stock market has not collapsed. Why? Because they see me as a president who's breathing confidence into this economy. Uh, talk about law and order. But the other part, go back to Thursday night, is I think he has got to make sure he doesn't constantly interrupt Biden. Because I think the more you allow Biden to talk, I think the better it's going to be. I think if you just keep you know saving him from his own words, that's a problem for him. And it doesn't look good for the president. But let Biden... Uh, be the one who hangs himself with his own words and let President Trump be presidential and show him that I'm the alpha male, I'm the leader in the room, I'm the one you want me going for the next four years. What did you make of Biden, provided they didn't lie, um, which I think we have to just put that proviso on everything now. So provided they didn't lie, what what did you think about Biden's, um, when they went head to head with their town halls last Thursday? What do you think about Biden outdrawing Trump? I think it was by around a million voters. What's your theory on that? Yeah, yeah I, I really don't know, Steve. And frankly, with the town halls, um, I thought you saw two different campaigns. I think you saw Donald Trump, who was debating uh, the host Savannah. What's her? Savannah Guthrie. Savannah Didn't Guthrie. So, I think somebody did a count. She asked 43 questions and the audience asked 10. Yeah. And she like kept that. pushing back hard on him. And, mm-hmm. and wanted to, I think she wanted to be the focus of the debate. This is the referee at a basketball game says, I want to be the attention, not the players. Mm-hmm. That that was her. And I saw Biden, I thought Stephanopoulos just, you know, try to set up softball-wise. It was a sleepy town hall. Um, as far as who got the most viewers, you know, I didn't pay attention to that, quite frankly. Do you think it's, I, I think it's, it's one of two things. It, it's a sign that maybe he has the stronger campaign at the moment, or it could also be that a lot of people have not really had a lot of access to him for months. That, that, that and, could be. and hey, this is a chance without Trump in the room interrupting him. This is a chance to, act, you know, and without him on a teleprompter, presumably, this is a chance to actually see, you know, can he hold up in the moment, behave, perform, et cetera. I think that there's a curiosity factor. There. You, you know, I could see that. Uh, I still believe it was a mistake by Trump not to do the second debate. I think he need he needed that second debate. See, I, I disagree with you, but go uh, make your case. The audience. Well, 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 well the reason is, I think what's going to happen is that you're going into a third debate, and I think a lot of people, uh, their care level has 
has been drained a lot. I See, because I think the minute he shows up on Zoom and, and they say, hey, you can't even keep yourself healthy, he's lost the debate. It's over. Moments lost. Yeah. Nothing can be said the next 90 minutes, in my opinion, yeah. that makes up for giving them that photo op moment. That was my opinion, yeah. but you're welcome to disagree. Well, 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 to me, the thing is that he didn't set the rules. He's, he's He would have said, you know, I would rather be there in person. And he did say that he'd rather be there in person. But I think he needs that debate to expose Biden at every turn. Uh, and whether it be Zoom or whether it be in person, uh, I think you just keep giving Biden a free pass. Um, the rallies that Trump is having, yeah, they're, they're fired up. There's no doubt about it. The one here in Iowa that we had last week, the pictures there were phenomenal. Are you uh, the, buying the RNCs n- n- claiming that 30% of the people there were registered Democrats? Oh, I have no. I mean, no. And again, I, I'm not even paying attention to that. I'm looking at more like your diehard Trump supporters are coming out. Mm-hmm. And and they're going to be there. And so say you get 2,500 people, that's a lot of people, but you're going to need a lot more than that uh, come November 3rd to put you over the top. So what is different from when you were in here last week? What has stood out to you over the last seven days? You know, I, I really don't know, Steve. I think the last seven days of what you guys, you got Trump doing his rallies, the media's, you know, uh, doing their rallies, do, doing their rallies. <laughs> uh, you got Joe Biden with his six people. Um, to say, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's in the voters' hands. I, I don't see a lot different. I see Biden still hiding. I see Trump still going out as being the macho guy. I'm your leader. Vote for me. And I still think it's very, very much up for grabs. In a state like Iowa, we have a hotly contested Senate race right now. Where the perception is the incumbent Joni Ernst is running behind, mm-hmm. all right, and Trump is polling better than her in the state. Same thing going on in Arizona, where you have Martha McSally who's running the public perception much further behind than Joni Ernst is, but and Trump is outpolling her as well, all right. How much do you see coattails and or reverse coattails? You know, I think- because we saw in 2016 we saw Republicans around the country outperform Trump. And the most blatant example, I've cited it before, I mean, Marco Rubio got 200,000 more votes in Florida than Donald Trump did, even though Trump destroyed him in his own primary, right? Mm-hmm. And so we did see in 2016 Republicans on the legislative level that outperformed systemically, outperformed Trump across the country. I don't think you can do that again with with him at the top of the ticket, because now he's a known quantity. Sure. So then the question then becomes, though... If it, can he then have coattails in a couple of these circumstances for a couple of these candidates? That, that's a good question. But I see voters today, Steve, taking a look at Trump almost separately from U.S. Senate. Uh, I just had a conversation with a couple that's very tuned in over the weekend in regards to this race. And one of the comments, they and they're definitely voting for Trump, but one of the comments they made about Congress, uh, listen, for the first two years of the Trump presidency, you had the House, you had the Senate. And why not enact his agenda? He was almost fighting you during that process. Mm-hmm. So I don't see some of them being as entrenched, say, like into a Joni's camp see, as they are in right. a Trump's camp. Yeah, I think you're right. And and so therefore, I in Iowa, I, I don't know how many of your viewers know that, but we're we're done with straight party tickets, meaning you just can't pull a lever mm-hmm. for Republican or Democrat. You got to go through and vote for every one, one by one. And so I could see Trump outperform candidates uh, because he's been the politician who's followed through on the promises. Uh, but I think I think Ben Sass was right in the phone call where he said the the U.S. Senate is probably ten times more important. We need to keep the U.S. Senate. Yeah. See, I don't I I don't know how you sell that to people. I, I just 
I, I understand practically, but this is this is this is, and we're going to run out of time. Sure, but this is where a guy like Ben Sass lost the moment, despite being right about quite a few things. Yeah. is that he focused on the specifics nuances of a situation rather than the meta narrative that's at stake. The reality, I mean, in 1996, Republicans held on to Congress with Bill Clinton going to re-election because late in the campaign, they made a pivot where they openly said, hey, if you're going to re-elect Bill Clinton, at least keep us in charge of Congress to be a check on him. We've cut taxes. We've shrunk government. We've balanced budgets. The economy's growing again. You know, it works good to have us be a check and balance. And that messaging worked. You can't do that when your guy's at the top of the ticket. Right. You can do that when your guy's the challenger. But when your guy's at the top of the ticket, that's going to define everything. And so this idea that, that doesn't mean you can't ever be critical, but this idea that, because I certainly am, but the idea that, it, that, that you were going to be able to stake out some neutral ground while the other side is saying there is no neutral ground. Anything we disagree with, we shut you down, we cancel you no sure. matter what. And so you were going to find some hallowed ground between that and supporting the guy at my top of the ticket, that's just not how human nature works. That's not how history works. And that's why the idea that, you, hey, yes, we didn't balance the budget. We didn't repeal Obamacare. All right. We, we didn't defund Planned Parenthood. We didn't Parenthood. defund Planned Parenthood. We, we didn't, didn't we build, didn't build a, wall. a wall. We didn't do anything. But that's why we didn't. And, 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 and SAS doesn't like Trump. Yeah. So let, let me get. So SAS's argument is, well, you didn't do a good job of keeping Trump accountable. So you're going to do a real bang up job of holding President Biden accountable. You guys don't do anything. That's that's the issue. That that's what SAS has missed here. Is he thinks that that Trump has, he's fallen into the trap that Trump wrecks things. Trump is the result of the wreck that has already taken place. Now, I think the difference with SAS. I don't want to get into be a, a SAS apologist, but SAS, there's no doubt in my mind, is voting for Trump. I think he wants Trump over Biden. But I think what he's also saying it is critical that we keep the U.S. Senate, whether you have Trump or you have Biden. But look at the way he makes the argument. What's his argument? What is the argument for? I think what it is is for for the judges and keeping you know say the stimulus package in check. Okay, because okay. The, the, but see, does he not understand the minute he makes a ten minute kvetch about Trump, all those points are gone. Sure, he has fallen into the trap so many have in this era, where they've made everything about Donald Trump. As opposed to the, and, and so therefore they can't get beyond him at all. And I think, and he did not say that in his tape deal, but I think it's what he was saying. The whole conversation, all the oxygen in the room is Trump, 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 Trump. You guys got to be thinking deeper than Trump. There's a so, US so he, add, he adds to that by going off on a 10 sure. minute rant, nailing about stuff we've known about for 20 years. That, that thing, that, so he's, he so wants to get us past Trump that he goes off on a rant for 20 minutes about him. Well, I, what did he uh, think was uh, yeah. going to happen when he did that? You're right, because the, the media wants to take that piece of it, that narrative. I, quite frankly, understood where he was going in regards to saying, okay, it's all about Trump, and here's why I got disagreements with him, but why you still want him, but why you better also want a U.S. Senate, whether he's in charge or whether Biden's in charge. Ben and I Sass, do agree Ben with Sass that. is trying to play 75-dimensional chess when most people right now are just trying to figure out how they're going to survive the next four years, regardless of who wins. Yep. And that's why guys like him don't ever get ahead. They, 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 there's too much lint in the navel pondering. And we got to go. I'll give you the last and, one. Well, Ten seconds. And what, well, what you're looking at is, is going to be a turnout campaign. And I think both sides have got to see what they can do to turn out their people. And that's what we're doing here. Thank you, Bob. Hour two is next.
We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Here's Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Uh, Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show over on Parlor at Steve Dace. And check out our new YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Oh, I got to mention this too. If you're a podcast listener, thank you very much. We appreciate all of you. If you have not done this yet, though, whichever podcast platform you use and prefer that you access us through, maybe it's Amazon Music, maybe it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, etc. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, give us, uh, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done those things already because they help our show to grow. And the more of you that do those, the more the show um, gets heard by other people. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. I'm not sure how uplifting the rest of this hour is going to be. So let me start with something that I can 100% guarantee you is good news and that you will thank me later for taking my word for it. And that's if you try Bilt Bar. All right, just had... My pumpkin chocolate chip cookie uh, built bar during the last break. Um, built bar is the protein bar slash candy bar that you've been waiting for your entire life. Almost none of the sugar of a candy bar, the protein you're looking for, not a whole bunch of additives. So it's easy on the tummy and digestible. That's a big thing for me. Uh, fewer, almost all of them uh, that I've seen so far are fewer than, well, fewer than 200 calories. And they've got 18 phenomenal flavors, all of them covered in real chocolate. I'm telling you, you've never had anything like this. It tastes and has the texture of an actual candy bar, but it's so much better for you. So if you've not tried Built Bar yet, take my word for it. You are not going to regret this. I promise you. All right. I started buying this product months ago. I was raving about it to Todd and Aaron months ago before they even came on board our show last week. All right. So I'm a big, big fan. Check out BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T, by the way, for Built, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Steve and get 20% off your first order right now at BuiltBar.com. BuiltBar.com, get the uh, the assorted box where you can kind of pick and choose the flavors you want. If you're into chocolate-covered coconut stuff, man, you're going to love their coconut flavors. You're going to love all their flavors, but BuiltBar.com. Promo code Steve to get 20% off of your first order at BuiltBar.com. So normally at this time, we would be doing our Monday town hall, but I've decided today with two weeks to go before the election that, that I want to do a TED talk instead. All right. And I want to kind of lay out for you the latest on what I'm thinking from a data perspective on the election. And then I want to make it more personal. So we're going to look at it as objectively as we can to start out with, okay? And then I'm going to pivot and I want to have a more of a personal, so that's going to be subjective, obviously, my own personal opinion, belief, etc. on what's going to happen on November the 3rd, 15 days from today and thereafter. And I'm going to do so, I decided to do this after a conversation I had yesterday um, after church with a, uh, a buddy of mine, big name in our business, does not work here, but a name you would all know. And he said to me, hey, I, I see all your stuff. I'm even sharing it with people in my network. 
uh, the work you're doing on the methodology on these polls. It's good stuff, fascinating stuff, but you're not really telling us too much what you think. What, what do you think is going to happen? And I have gotten into it a little bit, and part of it is because I think it's really a volatile situation. There's another part of it, though, that I, I really think is possible, but I'm afraid to speak it into existence. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I've decided today I'm going to, after this conversation, because I, I shared it with him, and after this conversation he and I had, I just, I kind of felt a little guilty that I shared this with him privately, and then not with this audience as a whole. So I'm going to do that in the second part of our conversation today, all right? But I want to start objectively on data. I've been citing a lot, uh, and there's a there was a poll out today from some Institute of Public Religion or something, that has Trump at 38%, which would be below what Herbert Hoover had. Herbert Hoover has the record for the worst performance by an incumbent president in the popular vote in the two-party era post-Reconstruction when it was just a two-man race. Taft and George H.W. Bush did worse, but they had viable third-party candidates. Taft, a former president, Teddy Roosevelt, and in the case of George Herbert Walker Bush, a guy who probably would have been elected president in Ross Perot had he not gone nuts in the middle of the campaign and ejected and then gotten back in. So in, a, in, a, in the history of our two-party era, which really was solidified post-Reconstruction after the Civil War, so late 19th century, in the history of our two-party era since the late 19th century, the worst an incumbent president has done in a head-to-head matchup against the other side was Herbert Hoover got about 39.7% of the popular vote in 1932 against FDR. This poll out today has Trump at 38, well below that. It just cannot happen, folks. It cannot happen. Um, he has too strong of base support. He's going to have too high of base turnout. Now, I keep saying this. Just because their methodology is flawed doesn't mean they don't have the right result. I'm not arguing that, okay? But I will get into the result, my own forecast of it here, later in this hour. But I'm, I'm, when I talk data, I'm not talking, there's not a correlation because that data is bad. That must mean the opposite of it is true. Meaning you can often have the right answer just from the wrong math and the wrong premise, right? Okay? You can stumble upon things and just get things right out of instinct, even though you couldn't quantify it logically. So we've talked a lot about the lack of historical context. That's why I look at the past. The answers to the future are often found in the past, folks. There's nothing new under the sun. Just new people under the sun that haven't found it yet. Newton, didn't dis- Newton, Newton did not invent gravity. He discovered it. Michael Levitt did not invent computational biology. He discovered it. It's not like we came up with something and God was like, wow, how'd that get in there? I didn't know that was there. Well done, guys. Showed me something I didn't know. Now, creation is like is, is like the ultimate um, Easter egg. It's full of things to be discovered. It's just a matter of, are we inquisitive enough, honest enough, observational enough to find them? persistent enough right so that's why i think historical context matters 
we don't have that much larger of a black population than we had in 2012, let alone 2016. The Hispanic turnout has grown since 2012, or Hispanic population has, but they actually were less a percent of the turnout in 2016 than they were in 2012. So you're still here. It is true that the non-religious group demographically is growing faster than any other religious group, but they're still well behind the dominant religious group, which is Catholics and then evangelicals. There's no way one out of every four voters. I'll even go lower. I'll even say that there's a higher turnout of some other groups. There is no way anything less than one out of five voters 15 days from now is not going to be identified as an evangelical. That's just history just says that. Okay. So you have to have historical context when you're applying your numbers. You can't just conjure things that just are not are just not remotely true unless you just want to lie. Then you can. But not if you want to tell the truth about things. So we've we've pointed out a lot of these historical contexts. What's the Hispanic turnout been in the past? What's the Catholic turnout been in the past? What's been the percentage of independence, right? We've done all those sorts of things. I want to spend a few minutes, though, talking about what happens when you miss new information. So I have alluded to this a little bit already, but I posted this on my Twitter account yesterday. Zero Hedge did a, a story highlighting a J.P. Morgan quantitative analysis that they gave to their investors around the country that dug into all the voter registration numbers in America, sounding the alarm that, hey, you know, if you're making investment decisions based on what do you think this guy's going to win or that guy? So if you're if you're confident that Biden's going to win, and so, you know, if you're right now, he's saying he's not going to raise taxes on anybody making less than 400,000, we shall see. But J.P. Morgan's clients don't care because most of them are making more than that. <laughs> All right. So if you're making if you're making assumptions now on what to do with your portfolio, assuming Biden takes office in January and comes after you, blah, 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 blah. Be very careful about making huge presumptions about the election based off of the public polling you're seeing in the media is what this J.P. Morgan analyst was saying. Because when you dig into the actual hard numbers of voter registration, it says and, and paints a completely different portrait. And I've got this story linked up on my Twitter account at Steve Day Show. Uh, I have it on my Facebook page as well at Steve Day's. I'd highly urge you to go and read through this. Zero Hedge does a great job of pointing out of picking out the best parts of the J.P. Morgan analysis without all the other egghead stuff that you know. You'd have to filter through to get to the, the the meat on the bone there. Overall, with limited exceptions like New Mexico, for example, the, the the voter registration numbers are very very positive for Republicans overall. Um, in fact, Gallup's latest numbers overall for the first time since two thousand and four, Gallup's numbers are going to have Republicans with a voter registration edge over Democrats heading into a presidential election. Hasn't happened since two thousand and four. So Gallup's picking up on this nationwide. Here's why that matters. Have you ever wondered how a lot of pollsters, and we're going to have the gentleman from Trafalgar Group, 
on our show tomorrow, I believe, correct? Uh, I'm quite certain. I need okay. to confirm finally, but, but yes. At some point this week. Okay. You ever wondered, hey, how do pollsters know who to call? Well, let's assume they're being honest. <laughs> That's the proviso disclaimer. We're going to throw in everything now. Let's assume they're not trying to actively lie. Okay. They usually begin with something called a voter file. Because you can, you, can, you can put too many variables in your poll, meaning that if you work too hard to find people that haven't voted before or didn't vote last time, you may so overinflate to those people that you lose the plumb line of knowing who's going to vote because they vote every time. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So there's a balance there. That's why these guys make good money. It's hard work, folks, to do this well and right. Hard. It's why a lot of times on a campaign, one of the highest paid people on the staff is the pollster. Because in this case, the worker's worth is higher if he's good at it. And so you, you cannot go so far into trying to pinpoint who, because it's really pinned the tail of the donkey, man, and you're turned around three times with a blindfold on. You cannot work so hard to go find who these new voters are that you reject properly waiting and inserting the people you know are going to show up every time. But you can't ignore it, though, at the same time either. Particularly when you're as polganized and polarized as we are. So let's say a, 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 let's say a good pollster said, hey, my best bet is to start my polling off a 2016 voter file. Meaning that I have a file of people who voted in 2016 in Pennsylvania, Iowa, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and I, I I go with 2016 because the same guy that was on the ballot in 2016 is on the ballot now, and I think that might help me find a hidden Trump vote, things of that nature. And then I account for any major demographic changes, and if there haven't been any, then I because I have to start with some assumption. I can't start from nothing. Only Darwinists believe you can start from nothing. And get to fulfillment. In every other human endeavor, we believe you must start with something to get to something. It has to start somewhere. So a pollster is going to begin from an assumption. And often that assumption will be some kind of a voter file. But here's the problem with even if you use a 2016 voter file. Have you factored in all these voter registration numbers around the country? Because I'm guessing a lot of these public polls that aren't lying to you have not. And then if you have, how are you factoring that in? Let me give you a couple of examples. Since 2008, the Republican Party has wiped out about 70%, slightly more than that. But we'll go with a nice round number. About 70% of the voter registration edge, edge that the Democrats had in that state. So uh, these polls that are forecasting a dominant Biden win, that cannot possibly happen. I cannot possibly happen it can't don't even have a democrat governor there who's going to like lie and cheat can't happen it cannot happen in florida in florida we're just talking about florida okay cannot happen there and remember that the margin for victory average margin for victory in florida in the last seven presidential elections is two and a half points florida has forecasted the winner of every single presidential election I want to say in the last 40 years, except for like 1996, when Dole won it and Clinton won the election. 
the final Quinnipiac poll of the 2018. Well, Steve, why not use 2018 then? Because turnout's always higher in presidential elections than congressional elections. That's why you can't use a 2018 voter file. But let's say, hey, let's say, hey, I'll use 2018 because that'll give me the most accurate, a more accurate reading on Florida than 2016. Okay. In 2018, Quinnipiac forecasted in its final Florida poll that Ron DeSantis was going to lose by seven points. Seven. Seven. In other words, 100% outside their margin for error, guys. 100%. Ron DeSantis, last I checked, I believe, is governor of Florida now, as we speak. Correct? Indeed. Indeed. Hmm. Let me give you another example. This one I know firsthand. In 2016, a lot of you know, I worked for the Cruz campaign in 2016. Okay? During the Iowa caucuses, there were some of the public pollsters like Monmouth we had a lot of respect for. They were forecasting these massive turnout records here in Iowa. But they all thought and operated under the assumption that that meant Trump was bringing a bunch of new voters to the polls and he was going to roll on caucus night. It is true that Trump brought a whole bunch of voters to the polls. They weren't wrong on that. They just were insufficient. I was the only member of the media in America that correctly predicted Ted Cruz to win Iowa. I even predicted the percentages correctly. Now, how did I do this? I'm a shaman. I'm a prophet. Nope. I had the best data because I was the only member of the media that had access to Ted Cruz's data. And what the media reports and and polls were missing, you know, that guy that was just on with us last hour, Bob Vanderplatz, the organization he runs, the family leader. Well, What the media was missing is that Bob's group was doing a massive new voter registration throughout Iowa. And these were specifically going after voters in from in in our churches who had never voted in an Iowa caucus before. It went uncovered by media polls. Most of the media didn't cover it. And frankly, we didn't want them to. We in the Cruz campaign, we kept this thing on the down low. We didn't want anybody to know what we were up to. All right. For obvious reasons. Okay. And so lo and behold, here's what happens. So the family leader puts huge resources into turning out first time church goers, first time caucus goers, goers in our churches. Now, they were not specifically targeting for Ted Cruz. But this was a heavy messaging on principles, ideology, mattering most. Well, who was the candidate that ran on that message? Our guy did. So do the math. Okay. Do the math. On caucus night, we did set a turnout record just like the public pollsters predicted. But get this, 45%, almost half of the people that showed up had never attended a caucus before. But Cruz actually won that group and not Donald Trump. Because it was targeted at the most ideological, principled voters. And Cruz was running as that candidate. He actually beat Trump among people who had never voted before in Iowa. In fact, Ted Cruz on caucus night overperformed the real clear politics polling average of Iowa, the final one, by eight points. So Ron DeSantis overperformed the Quinnipiac poll, won, I think, by a point. So he overperformed that poll by eight points days before the election. Cruz overperformed the Iowa caucus real clear politics polling average by eight points on caucus night. And it's because they didn't have 
the most updated information. I believe this is what the Biden campaign was sounding the alarm about the other day in an internal memo. Because I've always told you campaigns always have better data than the public does. And that's why I correctly predicted Cruz to win Iowa, and I was the only one. I had the better data. Um, that's why we've been right about COVID this entire time. We're not immunologists. We're not epidemiologists. We're just not hacks. So we went to the people with unpoliticized data. Biden may well win. I'm not arguing that point. I'm going to get into that here in a little bit. And I would not bet on Donald Trump straight up, meaning head to head. But if you gave me the odds that are in the betting markets right now, if I could bet that in Iowa, I can't. If I could, hell yeah, I'd put a, a wager down on that. I'm just showing you another way that polling modeling is flawed. You cannot, you cannot reconcile that Republicans have wiped out more than 70% of the voter registration advantage Democrats have in arguably the most important swing state in the country. And read, turn around and read that and come to, come to the conclusion, well, that can only mean that Joe Biden will outperform Barack Obama's wins in Florida. You can't do that unless you're lying. There's only two reasons you would do that. You've either disregarded the new information, which is very possible, because I, that's why I gave you the example of what I saw myself on the Cruz campaign. We had information the, the, the big media pollsters didn't have. And it played out on caucus night. I had that information. That's why I was right. And they were all wrong. Um, so that's part of it. It could be they're, they're just ignoring this new information. Or they're being dishonest. It's ignorance or dishonesty. It's nothing in between. Because you cannot reconcile Joe Biden is essentially going to win Florida by the largest margin a Democrat has ever, ever, ever won the state, ever. With, oh yeah, well there's a Republican governor who overperformed the polls by seven points in the last election, and they've wiped out 70% of the voter registration numbers that Democrats had as an advantage in the last 10 years. Can't reconcile those things. So it's either it's either ignorance or dishonesty. Look at the early voting numbers in a place like Michigan. I saw over the weekend right now, Republicans are plus two early voting in the state of Michigan. How much of the polling in Michigan was done on the premise that Democrats would be dominating the early voting there? See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So what happens if they're not? And they're not really dominating the early voting like anywhere. Republicans are doing historically good with early voting. Which I, I don't think means they've, they've got a whole bunch of new voters, by the way. I think it's probably a lot of elderly people that, because of COVID, are concerned about going out and voting, okay? And so they're doing it this way this year instead. But still, Donald Trump's the incumbent. It's not, he's not the guy that's got to go get new voters, right? He has the base that already won. He just has to hold... Who, the side that lost is the one that has to go get new voters, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then where's their waves and waves of waves of new voters in these early voting states? They haven't shown up yet. Well, how much of the assumption that he's that Biden's dominating these polls started from he's going to go into Election Day with this massive lead? Because Republicans usually win on Election Day, even in years where they lose. 
They usually win on election day. All right, so let me stop there, see if you guys have any questions or points you want to raise. And then I'm going to have the more subjective part of this conversation here in the next segment. Todd, go ahead. I, I simply cannot get past my instincts every time you bring up this data that it's why I keep holding on and until I hear something differently, I will say, I think Donald Trump is going uh, to win and convincingly by modern standards. What And Steve would tell you what's what a landslide could possibly look like now has nothing to do with what a landslide could look in a different uh, generation. But my goodness, the, the, the willingness to bet it all by these pollsters and by the press on something like this simply tells me again that we are in a civil war because they are all in for this victory and they don't really care about having to fix their reputation afterwards because there's they're all in on the chaos the anarchy there's nothing to fix yeah there's nothing to fix if you're if you've if you've declared a civil war i'm going to talk about this here more in a moment but if you've declared a civil war, I don't need to have any self-awareness or any meekness or humility because it, it, nothing other than de- just defeating you matters. Yeah. No. I mean, really, this is... Uh, I am trying... If Steve ends up being right, and I, I think he is, these pollsters and the press are basically Antifa now. Because the... the, the he- they had to have known better. They had to have. I don't. I, and that's you're, I, you're leading into the part of the conversation I, I'm going to share in, a, in a, a little bit that I'm not comfortable with. I keep circling around this in my head. This is no time. Now, we don't do cheap rhetoric here. We do powerful rhetoric here. But, I, you know, I, I don't want to be throwing bombs here at the 11th hour for any kind of uh, cheap electoral victory. But I, th- I think that's the most honest thing I can say to you right now. I, I, I wish it were otherwise. I just, I, I was telling Steve during the break, I, we go, my wife and I go for a walk just about every single morning. And a, a lot of it was kind of silent today because, you know, we're even, we're talking about, you know, the calendar ahead, our hopes and dreams and things like that. Does it fit? Does any of that fit? The kids going off to college? I I don't know. Not th- th- Steve said at the top of the show, they won't share the country with you. I think this polling and the press and Twitter, they're clearly they're telling us they won't share the country with you and they will lie and cheat and steal because it doesn't matter to them if they get found out as frauds. They'll just keep going on afterwards and they'll turn it up to 11. Yes. When this is over, whether Trump wins or loses, we have some lessons we must learn for our own survival. But we'll have those conversations depending on the outcome after the election. Aaron? What might typically in a quote-unquote normal year, at least what I'm hearing, and I continue to hear when it comes to polling, there's bias which is not good, but it's part of human nature. Every single human has it. 
and it's and it's understandable because of that. Um, it's understandable, and to some degree, it's forgivable. There's bias, and then there's bull. Thirty-eight percent, whatever that poll was you cited at the beginning of this segment, Donald Trump getting thirty-eight percent of the vote. That that is not explainable by bias. You can't explain that by bias. Uh, Because eventually, eventually, if bias becomes something that you don't even, you're not even self-aware about, then, then you get into areas of, of bull. And that's what we've been fed. That's what we're being fed a lot of. Because none of this, none of this makes sense. Unless Occam's razor says, unless people are just lying to you. Apply Occam's razor. It's always in effect on this show. Hmm. That's, that's what it tells me. So then, what do I personally think is going to happen? I'm going to talk about that when we return. Stay tuned. So we'd love to make our pets happy. You know, we've got ours at the groomer today, for example. So Cap's a bit of a prima donna. He likes uh, getting the cleanup. Um, it's the treats, it's the walks, the runs, right? But you know, your dog could use nutrients most of all, cause chances are they're missing from the food that you're giving your dog. It's sterilized and dead as a doornail. Like a lot of the foods that we buy today from stores also have been stripped of those things for mass consumption, long shelf life. That's why we're buying so many supplements as humans and your dog could use one as well. Thankfully, there's Rough Greens Vita Smart, which is not a dog food, but a premium dog food supplement. It's a powder you mix in with the food your dog already loves, and they'll apparently love it even more because it won't just taste good, but it'll put all the antioxidants, omega oils, vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics probably missing from your pet's store-bought food right back in. And if you want to see, if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less, take the 14-day challenge Get the Rough Greens Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95, less than 15 bucks to see if you don't see a big difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. So we talked here in this week's TED Talk on the election two weeks out. We, we talked not just about the historical context missing from a lot of these polls, asserting things that history has already told us cannot occur, all right? And we're not talking like demographic changes here. They're like holistically, things that can occur. Like it, it, you cannot wake up tomorrow and see a rhinoceros fly. You cannot wake up tomorrow and discuss the Hegelian dialectic with a duck, right? Things that just can't occur. We know these things cannot happen, right? Right. So we've now talked about new information that could be missed from polls and how in my own career, I witnessed it firsthand. And I got a lot of credit for being the one guy to predict something. It's just I had access to Chris Wilson's data on the Cruz campaign and no other member of the media did. I had access to the guy whose organization was doing the get out the vote effort. I knew what they were doing. Nobody, else, No one else in America had access to Bob Vanderplatz and Chris Wilson. Just me. That's why I was right. Not, I'm not a shaman. 
profit. I just look for the best data because the best data wins because we believe in that motto over my shoulder here. Truth be told. And, and we just want to know what's true, even if it's not what we want to be true, even if it's not what we prefer to be true. We just want to know what's true, because in the end, the truth is its own reward. The truth is what's best for the human condition. And as conservatives, we want to conserve what's best for the human condition. So that got me into a conversation over the weekend, uh, yesterday actually, with a buddy of mine, name almost all of you would know, um, but he doesn't work at the Blaze. And he said, hey, you've talked a lot about, and I've seen your stuff and I've shared it even with my own network, you've done some great work on the flawed methodologies of these polls, but I really respect your analysis. What do you think is going to happen? Now, there's two parts to that answer. One of them I've already shared with all of you. And I even think I said this late last week. If I worked for the Trump campaign and the president called me in and said, Steve, what's going to happen on election day? My answer would be, tell me what news stories are trending 24 hours before. And I'll give you a prediction then. Because I think the electorate is that volatile. Because I think this is largely now, it's open civil war now, and I think it's largely being driven by a need to either conquer the other or hold off, stave off the other. That's why there's very few undecided voters. I think Frank Luntz, what he said last week is right. Whatever percentage of undecided voters we have, they're torn because they don't like Trump personally, but they don't like Biden's policies. I think that's exactly right. And we may see this year that they just don't vote. They just eject. I don't know what they'll do. That's why I want to see. That's why I want to see what's trending in the news the day before. Undecided voters aren't looking to vote early because they're undecided. The partisans are who's voting early or the people who are all in convinced one way or the other. That's who's going to vote early. Undecideds are going to hold out. And they're probably holding out for something that makes them look at the, one of the other two guys in a different light than they already have. But there's another part of the answer, too, that I've not talked about here because I, I'm afraid to speak it into existence. But based on what I saw occur over the weekend, because it was after I got done with this conversation uh, with this buddy of mine, and I'm watching the Red Zone channel yesterday and I'm following what's going on and I'm seeing everybody get locked out of their accounts and everything else and I'm just like, you know what? I shared this with this buddy of mine. I'm going to share this with the rest of you now. It's been a few weeks since I've done a map of what I think the election would look like if it were today. If we voted today, this is what I think the outcome would be. All right? I think if I think if North Carolina and Arizona had to make a call today, Trump would end up winning those states. Wouldn't be by a, a wide margin, but he'd end up winning them. I think Nevada is more contested than you're being told. I think Colorado is not being contested enough by the Trump campaign, in my opinion. So this is what I think the map would be. Which, and I think that district in Maine is too close to call. 
And so that gets us to 258 to 233. And I think there's really only 57 electoral college votes. I, I, if, the, if we had to vote today, I would not be comfortable predicting. I want to tell you why. Some of it I've alluded to previously as well. You know, the cheating factor, keeping the ballots uh, or, or the, the ballot boxes open, the voting precincts open until you get the count. We've, we've talked about those things, right? But I want to I want to clarify it further. I think that we are up against a force, a spirit of the age, whose ultimate goal is the wreckage and deconstruction of America. And if you really want to end America. We could argue, is America over morally? We could argue, is America over spiritually? Right? We could have those kinds of arguments. Yeah. But the, the nuts and bolts of America still goes on, right? We may have more people cohabitating now than getting married. The average 25-year-old male in America is more likely to be living at home than married with a wife, right? Those things may still be true. But is a place, does a place called America still exist? Yes. And, and does a lot of the accoutrements that go along with what that word means still exist? Yes. Yeah. Morally, you could argue, you know, spiritually, what the Barna surveys, 9% of Americans have some form of a biblical worldview, right? But does America still exist? Yeah. Do the, the nuts and bolts of America largely are still there. You can still like feel them, touch them, right. see them, right? Yes. Okay. So we can argue whether the spirit of America is in retreat or in danger. We can argue whether the essence of America is, the soul of America is. But you have to understand that the, the spirit of the age pr- propelling this doesn't care about those things. They're interested in the, they're, they're materialistic in nature. If you wanted to end America as a construct, not as a creed, not as a culture, but as a structure, as a thing, a thing that we can wrap our arms around, wreck the trust irrevocably in the election process. Because it is what our founders gave us, it's what I wrote in Rules for Patriots. What is politics? Yeah, it, Politics is faith and ethics and action. That's what the result of it is. But what is it? What is the DNA of politics? It's how we fight civil war in America. It's, why, it's how we avoid doing what happens in other cultures. In the, it's how we avoid the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks in the streets. The fascists and the socialists in the streets. How we avoid looking like Ilan Omar's home country. We were given a system where we have an outlet, like a purge, if you will, and we get this out of our systems, and then in the end, there's a winner, and a def- there's a definitive winner and a definitive loser, and then 
in two, four, or six years, we do this again. But in the meantime, we like taking our kids to school and to ball games and having family barbecues and going to movies. And see what I'm saying? So we got to find some time way in between these events to live together, love one another, be neighbors, Americans. And then we have this one unique outlet. And then there's a defined winner and a defined loser. People have had their say, maybe some shadiness going on, maybe some chicanery going on, but the essence of the integrity of the structure itself withstands all of that. And you can walk away if you lost. You know what? Didn't get my way. I guess I got to get a better candidate next time. I guess I got to do a better job of explaining where I'm coming from next time. But life goes on, right? Still got to pick up my kids from school on November the 4th. Got to pick up my kids. Still got, I got Christmas shopping to do. Life goes on. These people don't want life to go on. They don't. They want it to end. And I think they would love nothing more than to irrevocably wreck this process. I think they are intentionally leaving you and I with the notion that we have no other alternative but to lock and load and test that original meaning of the Second Amendment. Because whether the bullets come from some God-fearing patriot down south or it's a Molotov cocktail from some Antifa thug, you know, dweeb in Seattle, or it's a marauding band of Black Lives Matters activists, whatever interrupts life going on in America suits their cause. That normalcy that America provides, the luxury of the simple things in life, I have the freedom to just work Monday through Friday and come home and watch my favorite ball team on a Saturday and have a beer and go to my kid's game on a Friday night and go to church on Sunday and then just sit around like Al Bundy with my hands halfway down my pants, dozed out on my lazy boy. They want all of that to go away. They hate it. And what what provides us the opportunity to still do those things for eight years when Barack Obama's wreaking havoc on our Constitution is that normalcy. That still life went on. I have a lot of great memories from the years 2009 to 2016, don't you? I do. Yeah. I mean... I'm, <laughs> watch my kids grow up. I got to see my favorite team. I got to watch my kids grow up. I got to see my favorite team go to two Final Fours. Saw a lot of great Marvel movies during those times. A lot of great memories with the kids. Went to Took my kids to Disney. Right? Right. They want all that gone. Because as long as our ability to return to life as normal, no matter what happens at the ballot box remains, America remains. And they want America gone. So for America to be gone, they have to wreck irrevocably this process. And maybe even do it right out in the open. And hope that it prompts you. It gives you, 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 you are then given the lady or the tiger. <laughs> you want a lesser of two evils choice? Choose this choice. Do nothing and take it while they take your country from you right in your face. Or grab your guns and do something about it and aid and abet them essentially just 
narcissistically, nihilistically, I should say, just aided abet them nihilistically laying waste to what's left of America. Because they went either way in their minds. They went either way. Either you sat there and took it, or you got down in the streets and got dirty and bloody with them. And we're here because we don't have a political party that represents us. So we have no way of fighting this out in the system peacefully. You're just voting Republican to hold them off, not to like win, to take ground back, but to delay an inevitability. Like King Hezekiah, when the prophet comes to him and says, hey, because of this, this judgment's going to happen. And your first reaction is like, is it going to happen before or after I'm dead? After I'm dead, cool, not my problem. That's what we're doing now. And we have a way out. We're cornered either way. Either option's bad for the future. And that's just what their end game is. And I think they will do whatever they can do to not just cheat to win those states I have, Gray, but to do it in a way that causes you and I to lose all hope in the process that has held us and binded us together as a people for 240 years. Because that's the last latch on Pandora's box, is that. If my vote doesn't even count, lock and load. See you in the streets. And I think that's just what they want. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? I've said on the show before, but I had conversations with my liberal friends, former journalist colleagues, in the past about getting to this moment. And we're here. And the feel of this moment is what I told them about. I said, you know, if you guys continue not to be real journalists, if you continue down this path, and this is always us over us having beers or lunch or getting back, the decisions we're going to have to make about one another are going to be something else. Yeah. You're going to be on that side. I'm going to be on this. And it's either all in or we're going to have to be saying, you know, speaking on behalf of the other because that our soul is crying out knowing we went too far. Here we are, man. It's truly unbelievable to hold what we have sacrificed in the name of our idols. I can't be any more honest than I just was. I just stripped my heart bare and I'm hoping it was all wrong. All of it. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.